Well, Happy New Year. Once again, 2016 is here, and I believe as we look down the road of the new year, God has good things planned for us. He has good things planned for you, and it's a time of new beginnings. Isaiah 43, and I'd encourage you to follow along in the white page in the middle of your bulletin. You can pull that out. It has the outline written out as well as the verses, and on the back is some study notes as well. Isaiah 43 says, verse 18, Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. And so God doesn't want us to dwell on the past. When we look to the past, there are some things that aren't so good in 2015. And there are some things that were Pretty good, but God doesn't want us to dwell on the past. He wants us to look to the future. God wants to do new things in your life. He wants to do new things in our church family this year. And so I'm convinced that 2016 is going to be a year of great significance, a year of growth for each person here and for everyone who's part of Life Church. Now, our message for the new year, our message series to start this off is entitled Believe for Greater Things. Believe for greater things. How many of you desire greater things for yourself and for our church in 2016 than in 2015? We're looking for even better things in the future. That's not to say 2015 wasn't a good year. It was a very good year. Uh, we want 2016 to be even better. Now, for things to change, for things to get better, for greater things to happen in 2016, something needs to change. Now, God himself doesn't change. The Bible tells us that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is always the same. And so if we want to see greater things in 2016, and God doesn't change, who has to change? It's a very difficult question. As we have to change. Uh, we have to do something different. If we keep doing exactly the same things we did in 2015, we're not going to see greater things in 2016. We're going to see a repeat of 2015. And God wants us to see greater things. And so we're going to have to change. So let's look at what Jesus has to say about greater things in John chapter 14. Jesus said in the first part of the verse, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. And so the first thing that we must do is we must have faith. Our faith must increase from 2015 to 2016 if we want to see greater things. Our faith is not in ourselves. I can do more. I'm going. Our faith is not in ourselves. Our faith is focused on the person of Jesus Christ, anyone who has faith in me. And so this first part of the verse is pretty incredible. In the context, Jesus has been talking about People believing in him because of the miracles that he did. He said, you should believe in me because I've done miracles among your midst. And so here Jesus promises the word we want to look at in verse 12 is anyone. Now who here is an anyone? A few of us. Now all of us are anyones. If anyone, including the person whose phone is ringing, if anyone... Uh, if anyone has faith in Jesus Christ, he will do 
the same things that Jesus had been doing. What had Jesus been doing? Well, he'd been teaching the truth of God's word and he'd been meeting people's needs uh, through miracles. Teaching the word of God and meeting people's needs. Then Jesus goes on to add in the second part of the verse, he will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. When Jesus went to the Father, what did he do? He poured out the Holy Spirit upon the entire church to give us power to do the same things that Jesus did. And we do it in greater scope. There's a whole lot more of us even in this church. Jesus was one person. He was limited by his humanity. He was limited as he went about in human form. And now the church is millions and millions of people across the, the globe doing the same things that Jesus did as we rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. Now let's take a look at the uh, picture that I've chosen for this message series, Believe for Greater Things. Anybody tell what that is? Have you ever seen one before? <laughs> Some of us have seen more than others. Okay? It's not necessarily a good thing, but let's forget the dandelion is a weed, okay? Uh, we're going to look at the positive aspects of a dandelion. A dandelion head, I'm told, contains, I haven't counted them, but 200 to 400 of these seeds. And in the picture you see when the dandelion head goes to seed, just a little breeze causes those seeds to spread. And so one head of one dandelion can create how many new plants? 200 to 400 more plants. And uh, you know what that can do to your lawn uh, <laughs> in the course of one summer. But I want to think of us to think about this as a positive thing. Each believer contains a deposit of God's truth, a seed of God's truth within ourselves. And as we allow the wind of the Spirit to blow us, to spread the truth of God, we don't just keep it for ourselves. We can plant that truth in new places. We can plant that truth in new people's lives. And that truth can be multiplied over and over. When that seed of the dandelion goes into the soil, what happens? What pops up? Another dandelion with 200 to 400 more seeds and on and on it goes. And uh, I'm told in an acre that has a bunch of dandelions, there can be literally billions of dandelion seeds. That's incredible. Incredibly bad. So, <laughs> but uh, greater things can happen as we allow God to use us and spread the truth of God, the seed that God has put into our lives and see his kingdom grows and so see his kingdom grow. So we want to believe God for greater things for each of us in 2016 and 2015. And so today, the first message I've entitled, Choose to Change. Choose to Change. So in order to see these greater things in our lives, we must make a choice to change. We must put our faith into action. Our behavior needs to change in some ways to see God do these greater things. I'd like us to take a look at a challenge that the leader in the Old Testament, Joshua, gave to the people of God in Joshua 24. Speaking to the people of Israel, he said, If serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your forefathers, your forefathers served beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And so Joshua presented to the people of Israel a choice. You can choose to serve the idols of the people around you, or you can choose to serve the Lord God alone. 
And Joshua said, I and my household, we're going to serve the God, uh, the Lord God alone. And I encourage you to make that same choice. And today our choice really is essentially the same. In order to see greater things, we must choose to serve the Lord alone rather than choosing to serve idols. You say, well, I don't, you know, I don't bow down to little images in my house or anything. Well, there's all kinds of idols. And idols will rob your time. Idols will turn you away from God's plan for your life. Idols will keep you from the greater things that God has for you. So we want to choose in 2016 to serve the Lord alone and put away anything that distracts us from the plans of God for our lives. Now in this message series, Belief for Greater Things, I'm going to lay out a plan for our church and for each one in our church family. And I believe as we implement this plan with faith, God is going to increase our effectiveness for Him, and we are going to see greater things in 2016. So are you ready for greater things? Okay, I am too. So we need to, first of all, put our priorities in order. In order for our lives to change in 2016, our priorities must change. They must, they must be put into God's order and when we put our priorities in order, then we can accomplish the things that God has for us, the plan that God has for us in the new year. If we have wrong priorities, at the very best, we're simply going to waste time. We're doing things that uh, are not focused on God's plan, or at worst, we're going to do things that are working against God's plan. So we want our priorities in order in the new year. How do we know if our priorities are in order? Well, worry indicates wrong priorities. Let's look at a couple of verses of Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter 6. He says in verse 31, Do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And so in these verses, Jesus instructs us not to worry about anything, including the necessities of life, our food, our clothing, a uh, place to live, whatever it may be, we're not to worry about that. When we worry about such things, we show that those things are a top priority in our lives. So if you're worried about what you're going to eat, if you're worried about uh, your job, if you're worried about your clothes, those are a top priority in your life. Jesus here says that the pagans are unbelievers. That's what they worry about. They run after meeting what? their own needs. That's the most important thing. What do I need? What do I want in life? That's their top priorities in life. Now, God knows you need to eat. God knows you need to have clothes. God knows you need to have a roof over your head. And since He knows, you don't need to worry about it. You know, my children don't really worry whether they're going to have food at supper time. They don't really worry that they're not going to have anything to wear. Now, why is that? Because I take care of it. I mean, their father and their mother, probably more their mother than their father, but uh, <laughs> for, to keep things biblically straight, we'll say their father, but it's really their mother. Uh, takes care of those things, takes care of what they're going to eat, takes care of their clothes. They don't have to worry about it. They have faith in their parents 
to take care of it. And as we have faith in our Heavenly Father, He's going to take care of everything we need. We don't need to worry about them. Rather than worrying about all those kind of things, all of our needs, all of our wants, we need to seek first God's kingdom. One of the most famous verses in the Bible is Matthew 6.33. Seek first His kingdom. This is Jesus speaking. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. What are all these things? Well, it's the things we just talked about. Food, clothing, the necessities of life. And so the proper priorities for a believer are to seek first to expand God's kingdom, to grow in our relationship with God. That must be our top priority in life. And if we have those priorities in place, then Jesus makes this incredible promise that all these other things, the things that the unbelievers worry about, the things we truly do need, but we're not supposed to worry about it, food, clothing, the necessities of life will be given to us. And if they're going to be given to us, we don't need to worry about it. It's just a given. God's going to provide them for us. Now the verse ends with two words. The two words are, will be given to you as well. What do they mean? Well, what is to be our top priority in life, seeking his kingdom and his righteousness. And so if we seek God's kingdom and his righteousness, we're going to find God's kingdom and his righteousness. We're going to find our relationship with God strengthened. We're going to find his kingdom expanded through our lives. We're going to find what we seek. That's the most important thing. And then the necessities of life are just going to be added in as a bonus. God knows we need them in order to keep on doing what he wants us to do. God promises to give those to us. And so as we put our priorities in order in the new year, God is going to be with us. So practically, how can we seek God's kingdom and his righteousness in 2016? Well, one of the most important ways is simply by daily spending time reading God's word and praying. Now, we say this all the time. But it's a struggle. Why is it a struggle to spend daily time reading in, uh, God's Word and praying? Because we have an adversary who finds all kinds of excuses, all kinds of things to keep us from doing this very important thing. And so we, uh, strong, I strongly encourage you, God's Word instructs us to spend time reading His Word and praying each and every day. If you're not currently doing it, start with 15 minutes a day. That's just the bare minimum. Most of us should spend 30 minutes a day reading God's Word and praying. If you're not doing it, your priorities are out of order. You've got something else that's a higher priority than spending daily time with God in prayer, and you need to move that down a notch and move praying, spending time in God's Word together to the top of the list. Now in your bulletin is just a little help for the first week of the year. It's a yellow page. You can pull that out right now. Should be in there. 2016 prayer focus. And it just simply has a verse every day for the first week here of the new year that you can pray. Now, this is certainly not going to take you even 15 minutes, but it's something to focus on. Read some more of your Bible as well. We have, do we have Bible reading plans over there? I think we do, or maybe we don't. We do? Okay, there are Bible reading plans over there that can help you keep track. 
uh, of your reading in the Bible. We encourage you to take one so you can uh, sequentially read through the Bible. It's not really the best just to kind of flip something open and, and read a chapter here and the next day flip something else open. It's a, it's a book. We read through it book by book, chapter by chapter. God wants you to read through it that way. But here's some verses to help you focus on believing God for greater things in 2016. So I'd encourage you to take these verses, take these prayer uh, points, and pray them during this first week of the year, starting things off right with God. And so daily prayer is an important aspect of keeping our priorities in order. Next, we need to make Jesus' priorities ours. We're going to look at uh, some verses at the very end of the Gospel of Matthew here. Verse 18, Jesus came to them, them as the disciples, and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And I've, as I've stated, these are verses are at the very end of the Gospel of Matthew. These are some of the last words that are recorded of Jesus saying to his disciples before he ascended into heaven. And Jesus is saying here that, uh, he'd risen from the dead, and now he had all authority in heaven and earth. And with all that authority, he is now commanding his disciples to do certain things. And these things that he commands us, his disciples, are his, uh, reflects his priorities for them. And if you're a believer here today, these commands apply to you as well. Every believer is a disciple of Jesus Christ. And these commands apply to us just as they did to Jesus' first century disciples. So what does Jesus command us to do? What is his priority for our lives? Verse 19 says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And so in the Greek language, the primary command in these verses is to make disciples. As I said before, in the Bible, every believer is called a disciple. Oftentimes we think, well, those were the disciples, you know, the 12 back then. Well, we're disciples too. We're disciples, followers of Jesus Christ. And so these verses instruct us as to our top priority in life, to go and make new believers from people who are not yet disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, I was speaking to someone a couple weeks ago, uh, somebody from another church, and I uh, was talking about these verses with them. And I was surprised at the response I got. The person said to me, well, you know, those verses don't really apply to me because I don't have the gift of making disciples. And I, I was a little bit taken aback, and uh, I decided to be polite. And I, I, I just simply said, well, every believer has the ability and the responsibility of obeying Jesus' commands and making disciples. You don't have to have a gift of making disciples to follow Jesus' command. Now, obviously, some people have a gift of evangelism, and they make a whole bunch of disciples, okay? We don't all have that gift, but each of us, in our own way, needs to obey these commands to make disciples. And so every day, our prayer should be, God, how can you use me to go and make disciples for you today? And many people think that when a person commits their life to Jesus Christ, becomes a believer, the disciple-making process is finished. But Jesus goes on to add that every new believer needs to be baptized, and then they need to be taught to obey everything. Verse continues in verse 20. Uh, Jesus 
uh, statement continues or command continues in verse 20. It says, And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so this last aspect of the Great Commission, which these verses are commonly called, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, is extremely important. And I believe the American church has overall failed at carrying this out. A disciple is not just somebody who is saved and that's the end. A disciple is someone who needs to be taught not just to know Jesus' commands, but what does it say? To obey, to apply, to put into practice Jesus' commands. And not just some of Jesus' commands. What, what does the verse say? He says, to obey everything I have commanded you. And so a disciple who has been taught to obey, and he does obey everything that Jesus commanded, what is he in a position to do? He's in a position to make another disciple, is he not? And to teach them everything that he's learned, everything that he's applying in his life. And so that is a command of Jesus for every believer. It should be the Jesus' priority in our lives. And my prayer is that in 2016, everybody in the church here would make it their priority as well. Now, why isn't this happening in our church and in most churches? Well, two reasons. First of all, I don't believe that we've really taught the importance of obeying Jesus' commands to make disciples. There's probably a lot of people who think that's not my gift. That's for the pastor. That's for the evangelist. That's for somebody else. But me, I just kind of do my own thing. I don't do anything really bad. I go to church on Sunday and that's enough, isn't it? And Jesus says, no, you need to go and make disciples. But secondly, many believers don't know how to make disciples. Say, I, I really like to do that, but I don't know how. I, you know, I don't know how to talk to people. And when I do, sometimes they don't want to hear what I have to say. And I don't know how to do it. Maybe I've tried in the past and it, it just doesn't seem to work for me. And so our plan for 2016 here at Life Church is to help everyone learn, first of all, how to be an effective disciple for Jesus and how to make effective disciples of Jesus. Now, last year, the Lord put me in touch with a man named Jim Hall. He's a church development missionary with Assemblies of God. He just moved to St. Louis uh, this last year, and I got to know him and got to talk to him. We've had numerous conversations over the last uh, half of the year. And Jim has written an incredible discipleship curriculum that's been used in hundreds of churches to teach the basic principles of discipleship. And God has uh, really spoken to me about implementing that curriculum in our church. And so beginning in late January and early February, each of our life groups will begin using the curriculum. It's called uh, Thrive, a handbook for Christian growth. Looks like this. And there's a sample over on the ministry table if you want to take a look at it as well. The handbook consists of 15 lessons that will teach you the basic principles of how to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Uh, each lesson will have some homework to do as well. There's something to be filled out there, something to be looked up. 
And uh, we encourage each of you to take it and to put your effort into making this everything that God wants it to be in your life. And so we'd like everyone in the church to go through the curriculum. If you're not part of a life group, and probably, probably about a third to a half here are not, we strongly encourage you to find one that fits your schedule so you can take advantage of this training. And if none of the groups work, if you think, I can't go you know, on Sunday night, I can't go on Thursday night, none of the groups work for my schedule, talk to me, and we'll see if there's enough people where we can have some alternative ways uh, for a group that you can take advantage of. The handbooks are going to be handed out by the life group leaders in the life groups, so that's how you can get a hold of one. And everybody needs a handbook. Okay? If you're a husband and wife, you both need one uh, because it's something each of you needs to work through and fill out. The youth are going to be receiving handbooks at the edge as well. And so, uh, parents, part of your responsibility is to make sure your kids do the homework and uh, there because it's going to be important for them as well to lay this foundation of discipleship in their lives. And we need to remember it's not enough just to go through a curriculum. It's not enough just to fill in the blanks. It's not enough just to know in our heads. We need to apply it. And this curriculum is very good at giving you instructions. It's how to apply these principles in your life so that you reap the blessings and benefits. And so I think this is an important step uh, for our church. The discipleship plan will help us accomplish greater things in 2016. And it's going to be an evergreen plan. Uh, We'll talk more about that in the future. But we want to see everybody who becomes part of this church to go through this discipleship curriculum, an ongoing thing, so that everybody can come on board with it. Finally, I want to encourage you at the beginning of 2016 to take what I call the plus, plus one challenge. Plus one challenge. As we said, part of learning how to be disciples is to learn how to make disciples. God has designed his church really for explosive growth. We see that in the book of Acts. Why isn't it happening today? Studies show that only, I find this statistic astounding, studies show that only 1% of evangelical Christians, evangelical Christians are those that basically believe the Bible, the the basic tenets of the Bible. Uh, 1% of evangelical Christians in America lead someone, just one person, to Christ in a lifetime. One percent. So 99% of evangelical Christians in America never lead somebody to the Lord uh, in and of themselves. Now there's something sad about that statistic. It shouldn't be that way. God wants each of us to learn how to go and make disciples. And so this morning I want to encourage everybody here to take this plus one challenge for 2016. What is the challenge? Well, it's ask God to help you add not 100, not 10, not 5, but one believer to the church in 2016. Ask God to help you add one believer to the church in 2016. Now, do you believe that's possible? In 12 months, 365 days, God could use you 
to bring one other person to be part of this, a believer to be part of this church. Do you think that's possible? I think it's possible. I believe everybody here can do that with God's help and even more. You know, if you bring a family, if you bring a husband and wife, how many is that? Two. You've doubled. If you bring a family with some kids, what's that? It could be three, four, and five. So I think we can even do more than that. Now, Acts 2.41 says, those who accepted, whoops, those who accepted his message, that was Peter's message on the day of Pentecost, were baptized, as Jesus said, make disciples, they're baptized, and they were added to their number or added to the church that day. And so in the book of Acts, when people became believers and they became disciples of Jesus Christ, they were added to the church. And so the concept uh, that we have today of somebody making a commitment to Jesus Christ and being okay having their fire insurance uh, so that they're going to make it to heaven and then never being part of a church uh, doesn't exist in the Bible. When you become a believer, when you become a, a disciple of Jesus Christ, you're always added to the church. Those who make a true commitment will become part of the church. Now, if each believer here takes and fulfills the plus one commitment, it's a very difficult question, how many people will we have at the end of the year? Twice as many, right? It's uh, simple math, right? Twice as many people at the end of 2016. And if we kept doing it, in 2017, how many people will we have at the end of 2017? Four times. Can you see? This is pretty amazing, isn't it? If just each one of us, with the power of the Holy Spirit, works to bring one person to the Lord and to the church. Now, how can we do this? Let's not pretend we can do it in our own strength. There are obstacles, but we need to seek to do it through the Holy Spirit's power. Jesus said in Acts 1.8 to these same disciples, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Again, this promise is for every believer, every disciple of Jesus. The power of the Holy Spirit will help us to be Jesus' witnesses and fulfill the plus one challenge. And so my challenge to you is, will you accept the plus one challenge? And uh, asking God to help you add one believer to the church in 2016, and then praying and working each and every day to make that happen. So I'd like to encourage you, in your bulletins, there's a connect card. I have a bulletin somewhere in all my stuff. Okay, there's a connect card, look at it, okay? Oh, there should be. Somebody tore my off. <laughs> I don't have one. Okay, there should be in yours. You have one, Dick? Okay. At the top of the back page, your commitment, do you see that there should be a box to check to take the plus one challenge? Do you see it? Okay, if you want to take the plus one challenge, uh, check the box, and so we know how many people are taking the plus one challenge. Now, this is a serious thing. I want you to take it seriously. Don't check the box unless you really intend to take this challenge seriously. And that you'll remember on Monday what, what you checked on Sunday. And you'll continue to put that up, uh, write it out on a card or something so that you can see it each and every day. 
to, to work to make the plus one challenge happen. And together, I believe, as we do that, we're going to see greater things in our lives in 2016. Now, to help us have success with this plus one challenge, I've invited Jim Hall to come and to teach us a number of times in the month of January. Uh, Jim's going to be teaching us the principles and practices of what he calls relational evangelism. And what that is is simply there's people you know. You know people at work. You know some neighbors. You have some relatives you know. Uh, there might be people you know in school. We all have different relationships. How can we engage those people in spiritual discussions? How can we make disciples from some of the people that we know? <clears throat> and so uh, the goal in this training is to ultimately help you fulfill your plus one challenge <coughs> by helping people become a disciple of Jesus and adding them to the church. And beyond that, we'll talk about more of this later, discipling them so that they can in turn make disciples as well. So Jim is going to be teaching four sessions on what he calls uh, Sent to Your Neighbors. Session one will be in the growth class at 8.30 next Sunday. 8.30 to 9.30 here at the church, session one uh, on Sent to Your Neighbors. And then he's going to, well, let me say, if you don't normally come to growth class, I'd encourage you to come. Uh, there will be two sessions in the growth classes so that you don't miss out on this special training. So, uh, Jim is, is a great guy. He's done this training with many other churches, and it's, it's going to be a, a good time of learning. I can hear the kids singing downstairs <clears throat> when I be quiet. Uh, set, so that's session one at the uh, growth class next Sunday. Then Jim is going to be basically preaching next Sunday morning, giving you session two. And then I'm going to be back on the next Sunday, January 17th. And on January 24th, the following Sunday, he's going to be back for session three in the growth class at 8.30. And he's going to preach on the 24th on the fourth session. So we have the books that he's written on this relational evangelism. They look like this. They're called Sent to Your Neighbors. They're available. We handed them out in the growth class this morning. There's a bunch of them available on the ministry table over on my left. We'd encourage you to take one and, uh, and read the first couple of chapters before next Sunday. It'll get you on board with some of the principles. And this is going to help you answer the question, how, how do I do it? How do I make an impact in other people's lives? You know, I, I don't know how to talk to them. I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. This is going to really help us with those things. And so this training is going to help you fulfill the plus one challenge and uh, go, in fact, beyond it. So I believe that God has great things for us in our personal lives and in our church in 2016. We've covered a lot of it this morning. We're going to unpack more of it in this month as we go through this series, Believe God for Greater Things. Uh, first thing we've talked about this morning is put your priorities in order for the new year. We have a hand, prayer handout to get you started off believing God for greater things in this first week of the new year. Secondly, uh, make Jesus' priority of uh, growing as and making disciples your priority by choosing a life group so that you can study the Christian Growth Handbook. 
that we're going to be starting to study in February. So we encourage you to find a life group that you can be part of. And if you can't find one, please let me know. I'd really like to be a part of a life group. I'd like to take this training, but none of them work for me. Let me know, and we'll see what we can do. And finally, take this plus one challenge. And uh, if you can possibly make it next Sunday, what time? 8.30. 8.30. What time do you go to work? Okay, it's 8.30? Okay. A lot of people are at work by 8.30, but sometimes Sunday morning at 8.30 just seems really early. It's really not early. 8.30 is really pretty late, is it not? Uh, you can do it. Uh, this is just two Sundays to get this training, uh, next Sunday and then a couple Sundays after that. Pick up at the end of the service a uh, sent to your neighbor's book and begin to read it. Is this different? It's a little different. Uh, we haven't done anything exactly like this before. Are you going to have to change a little bit to embrace God's plan? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, but what is the title of my message today? Choose to change. So I'm encouraging you to choose to change uh, to see greater things. If you want to see greater things in your life this year, if you want to see greater blessings, then choose to change. And as we choose to seek God's kingdom first, what is he going to do for us? Are we going to end up poorer in life by choosing to seek his kingdom first? We're going to be blessed by expanding God's kingdom and everything we need is going to be added to us. You know, oftentimes people get their priorities in reverse order. They say, when, when my needs are taken care of, when everything's okay, then I'm going to do something for God. And you know what usually happens in the lives of people who get their priorities wrong? They never have enough. They're always lacking financially, they're always lacking in their job. Their relationships are lacking. It's not until you get your priorities in the right order that God's blessing comes into your life. And then not only are you seeking His kingdom first, but all everything else gets put into its proper place by your Heavenly Father who knows what you need and provides for you very well. Now this morning, if you're not sure that you're a believer... I want to give you an opportunity. Here's the how to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. You aren't a believer because you believe in God. Satan believes God exists. He's certainly not uh, a believer in Jesus Christ. You aren't a believer because you were baptized as a baby or baptized any time in life. You're not a believer because you're a pretty good person. You become a believer by submitting your life to Jesus Christ, by admitting that you've sinned, by believing in Jesus as your Savior, and by committing your life to following Him as your Lord. What does it mean when somebody is your Lord? They're your boss. You obey what they tell you to do. And that's what it means to be a believer. You can't, you, you can't become a believer simply by saying, God, forgive my sins, and I'm going to live my life any way I choose. Uh, you, you are deceived if you think you're a Christian and a believer because of that. You're a believer when you bow your knee to Jesus to forgive your sins and to be Lord of your life. So let's uh, bow our heads right now. We're going to pray. And if you'd like to recommit your life to the Lord or commit your life to Him for the first time, just pray along with me something like this. Father, today I admit that I've sinned. I've not been following You as my Lord, as the leader of my life. Please forgive me. 
I believe that you died on the cross, that my sins might be forgiven. Come into my life. I commit myself to following you from this day forward as my Savior and my Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.